0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 23 of the Coach's Journey podcast. Robbie here, and I'm really delighted to introduce in this episode Daphne Horowitz. Now, uh, Daphne gets bored easily, but it's boredom, or rather, I guess, the rejection of it that has taken her to all sorts of interesting places in her career, including the top of Kilimanjaro, helping her build a global business and turning her, in the end, into an eminent coach of CEOs and future leaders. inspired in some ways by her former career as an actuary and also her drive as, as in this episode uh, what she calls uh, an adventurer a risk taker and a thrill seeker um, you can hear the passion and uh, the the way that Daphne blends her analytical approach to coaching with with a deep presence um, and helps push her clients in all sorts of interesting ways and um, the, the, there's something about the unique way in which she provides help to high achievers which again comes through in this episode these people who struggle to ask for it um and she talks in all kinds of fascinating detail about a coaching career that spanned 15 years thousands and thousands of hours of work with high-level leaders and teams we get into loads of loads of different topics all kinds um Normally, I mentioned three or four at this point, but I'm going to rattle through six or seven, I think. So we get we have a great conversation um, about how she and I both use visuals like graphs and matrices and continuums to support her, you know our clients, which is the maths graduate in me and the actuary in her coming through. Um, she brings a great distinction about what the right level of support and challenge it is for a coach to give to their clients. I ask her a challenging question about what she believes are the differences between the coaches who struggle to build a successful business and ones who make a real success of it. We get into a great conversation there. We have a really nice conversation about presence and intuition and listening to the knowing muscle that we have um, throughout the conversation in different ways, including why coaching really comes from that. Daphne makes a great distinction between balance and rhythm and how she uses, and how that that distinction and using the sense of rhythm in her life is how she's managed to give her business and her family, which she says is the most important thing to her, what they need at the right times. And she has some great thoughts on how we define ourselves, our branding and our message by getting to know ourselves. Um, uh, So many great parts of this conversation. Before we dive in, I just want to give a little flag up to that, that now, if, if you've been thinking or wondering about joining the Coach's Journey community, or if you've never heard of it, but but might be interested in joining, working with me in a flexible and affordable way and getting to meet some other amazing coaches, now's a great time to join if you want to try it out, because it's an, uh, a call on the 24th of March for all uh, membership levels. So that means you can join from as little as about £10 a month uh, and come to that call and uh, experience what it's like. And then if you want, you can leave after that if if it's not the right thing for you. And that's perfect. That's part of what I wanted to create with this community, a really flexible and affordable way to work with me to get support from me and other coaches with building a thriving coaching business and also thriving. As a human, as as you do that, so uh, more about that at the dot slash community, and I'll talk about it a bit more at the end of the episode. Um, and but I think this episode is also speaks to how do you build a, a you know a thriving coaching business, and how do you thrive as you do it? Because in it, Daphne talks about the personal challenges she's had, the growth you know the growth journeys that she's been on. Um, you know, uh, you know that includes complications in the birth of her third child and how she got really woken up to the idea that that so many of us are living in a situation that we're like it, yeah it's okay, and it's kind of what we were taught was a good life, but it's not the full throttle experience that that many of us want and definite is definitely about um lots of moments in this episode that i love you can hear us having a lot of fun and i hope her laugh is as infectious for you as it was for me um, and one of my favorite moments is when we're talking in deeply about presence we then slow down and listen to presence before i throw the next question at Daphne. so look, you can probably hear that i'm excited to introduce you to, to Daphne. Um enjoy this episode and i hope you're back with us on the culture journey podcast again sometime soon Daphne, welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast.
1: Thank you. Awesome to be here with you.
0: It's really nice to have you here. Um, I think like just as for, for people who are listening in, they've just missed out. We just had a, like a 30-minute catch-up because we we haven't seen each other for two and a half years or so. And um, there was some beautiful, absolute podcast gold in there, which, which sadly listeners have missed out on. But I am sure because of that, that we're going to have a great conversation. So thanks yeah, so much for your time. Pleasure.
1: I'm really really excited about this. As you said, we've already got the ball rolling, so let's let's go with it. Yeah. And
0: and look, the place I often like to start these conversations is when did you first come across the coaching as we talk about it now? <laughs>
1: That is a really good co- uh, question, because I come from a completely different background. I qualified as an actuary, so actuaries are very mathematical and statistical. I come from the world of expertise and the wor- world of right and wrong, black and white you you figure out a, there's a problem and you figure out a solution that is either right or wrong. you know it's as simple as that not as simple as simple and as complex as that. <laughs> but the world of coaching was a completely different world for me and I had no idea what it was but I knew that something was missing for me that world of black and white just did not work for me I knew there was so much more nuance and even in the world of expertise being really good at what you do being a top performer there is a lot of nuance and when you are an actuary actually what you're doing is you are um analyzing trends Analyzing past experiences and behaviors and trying to forecast what the future holds, which is a very, very grey area. And I think maybe that's you know part of the reason that I was attracted to it. But the people element was missing for me. And I did not know what I wanted to do. I am a goal orientated achievement-driven person, and I looked at the world of therapy and psychology, and I knew that it would frustrate me a little bit. Um, I'm a little bit fast paced and impatient. I want to see (laughs) see results quickly. So I did not know that there was anything called coaching and what that option was. But I read a lot of books, which at the time were labeled pop psychology and with a lot of exercises and tools and, you know, change your mindset and all of those different things. And I just loved it. And I thought there has to be something there. There has to be something there. And I only came across the whole field of coaching in this way when I actually decided I'm going to do a career shift. I don't know what I didn't know what it would be, I didn't know what it would look like. I knew it would be working with people and started off by actually being a lecturer at the university in Johannesburg where I was at the time and loved the whole process of developing what I at the time was doing was developing the new generation of actuaries so for me it was much more about that than teaching them the material and it was really about having an impact and then there was a next evolution that I knew needed to come and I decided to leave everything and take a year off and explore what I really wanted to do And that's when I came across coaching. And uh, for me, it was such a good solid fit because it's about getting results and doing what you want to do together with a level of depth of looking at who are you as a human being and why are you here and why are these things important and how can you uh, shift your mindset, your beliefs, your way of being so that you can really live a much more holistic, purposeful life and and business or career or whatever it is that you're doing.
0: Yeah, wow, and and just to 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 check, cause I think that that kind of reason for the shift, it sounds like you you were really clear that something was missing, and that it was it was the people piece, right? Did so? You, yeah. Did was the the reason for the change was that you realized you needed to get more of that people piece into your life, and how, how did you realize that? And what were the, Do you remember what the kind of triggers were?
1: I think for me, it was a, yeah, actually, I can tell you about the trigger. It's, it's a good story. Uh, for me, there was always a sense of there needs to be more done around people. I felt the workplace was harsh. Mm. It was very performance, metrics driven, you know, show that you're getting the results and we'll push you forward. And something in that didn't feel great. It was also, I felt that I didn't have any role models. So as I was, a a budding professional you know top performer high potential whatever you want to call it in the organization I looked around me at my managers and my senior leaders and I didn't find anyone that I wanted to really be like them so there was not none of that and then the piece de resistance if you want to call it that is that (laughs) at the time I had two children I was pregnant with my third and I when I went into, you know, to have her, my, I got a, a son and then two girls. When when I went to have the baby, I had major, major complications as a result of the birth. So she was born and she was absolutely fine. Um, very grateful for that. But I went into a, a kind of trauma situation and a whole lot of conditions Um kind of generated from uh, whatever not to go into the medical story but I had excessive bleeding lost a lot of blood and ow it was very touch and go for me at that point they didn't know if I would actually survive that experience and uh, thankfully I did I'm here to tell the tale it was quite a quite a process, a recovery period, a long recovery period with complications. But the initial bit of really not knowing if I was going to make it, and kind of the doctor coming out to my husband to tell him the, the news that it's touch and go, and they've done, you know, that whole thing that we see in the movies, we've done everything we can, just pray now. Um that was that was a, a huge experience for me in terms of really asking myself the question of what am I doing? Why am I here? And am I doing what I really want to do? And a big part of that was coming out of that experience. And I'm sure a lot of people listening will have had some experience of either a close loved one going through something like that or, or themselves. And in the beginning, you are kind of in like this honeymoon period. You can't believe that you've survived this major event in your life. And then, well, for me, at least I dived into the Anger, like why? Why did this happen to me? And why did it have to be like that? And blah blah blah, all of that. And then it's like, okay, the reflection. Let's let's look at it. Let's ask the questions. Let's analyze what's going on for me. Let's really get inside myself and ask the the big big meaning of life questions. And for me, what actually happened was that um, my work situation. I was lecturing at the university at the time. And my husband phoned them to let them know that I had the baby and that I was in kind of serious, uh, critical condition. And they were like, oh, okay. And a week later, they sent a bunch of flowers and said, when are you coming back to work? And for me, that was one of those moments that I remember so clearly when I thought, is this what it's about? You know, all they care about is me and my output. And when I'll be back at work, and they were worried that this was would impact. You know, I had a four-month maternity leave scheduled, and they were more worried about would I be able to come back to work after those four months, or would I, you know, or rather than how am I really, and how they can support, and what do we perhaps need? And I'd been working there for seven or eight years already, doing stellar work. I mean, I was a super. Uh, uh, I'm a high performer, I take things seriously, I give my all to any piece of work that I do. So for me, that was a bit of a shock to the system to say, is this what it's about? Is this what what I'm about? Is this what I mean to them? And that kind of put me on a path where I decided I'll work back my maternity leave and then just take time off to really understand, internalize and take in everything that had happened to me and focus on what I want to do next.
0: Wow. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's like the experience, it's the the medical experience itself would be kind of enough, you know, to, to be looking at life differently, but then to get that really kind of, I guess, you know, for you really clear message something it yeah. sounds like you'd already been thinking about in work. Yeah. Yeah. To get it kind of shown to you in that way. It's
1: true. It did feel like a message for me. As you say, I had been thinking about what I want to do, what is the, you know, the purpose of my work, how do I bring more meaning into it? And now it was like okay it's time to really take it seriously because I was in a comfort zone things were good it was okay maybe I was thinking okay it's okay to be where I am I've got beautiful family I've got a beautiful community I've got a good job so like maybe that's okay but this really shook me up to say no no you go for the full-on experience you know the 100% or 120% not the it's okay. And Mm. I actually think so many people are living in the, it's okay, I've got a lot of good things in my life. But what's that full on, full throttle experience? And that's, that's really what I'm about.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's this great thing that I read, I'm going to try and find it on one of your bios. Being, you know, passionate about your purpose and obsessively (laughs) day, obsessively driven to live each day in alignment with it. And it sounds like that's what you're talking about now. But I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what that's like. This is jumping forwards in the story, I guess, in some ways, but where that sentence comes from and what what it means to you.
1: Yes, it it comes from exactly that point of saying, we can recognise everything that is going well in our life. And I think that's really important. I really do think you've got to come from the point of gratitude and understanding the good things that we have. Always gonna, there's always going to be more that we want, and there's always going to be stuff that we strive for, and kind of thinking of that "what next" question, which I know you're also thinking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <So. laughs>
0: yeah. For you're listeners, that's me, me personally. It. Like right now, I'm in a place of like uh, it's 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 late 2020, and I'm in a place of what's the next phase for my business. So that's one of the things that uh, sadly you missed out on, on hearing about. We will get into it more in this conversation, but um, yeah, the "what next" question is, it, you know. Well, and, and here's an interesting question, actually, for you, I guess, and that, because I sometimes wonder if that's like a, a slight madness feature of me, but like, <laughs> it, it definitely doesn't always help me. Like, I kind of wish that I was just happy with a, like, I really do wish some days, right now I feel like I'm in that space a little bit, I really wish I was happy to just do a job um and go home at the end of the day and kind of know that, that everything was okay and forget about work and forget about trying to make a difference or achieve things and i'm not sure how healthy or useful it is for my kind of everyday well-being that i do often and regularly have that question okay what next what next what next and you know i've been working on it in different ways for for years um to kind of settle and and hold more of the gratitude and the celebration and the acknowledgement of the things that have happened as well as the okay yeah what next yeah. in a more healthy way but do you think that everyone has that the way you're saying it sounds like in your view you've seen a lot of people with who hold that what next as part of things as part of yep. their life yep
1: so firstly i have to say i'm totally like what you just said could have come out of my mouth i mean this is exactly what i grapple with and i think that and 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 i've seen many many people have the same thing clients and, and not clients but uh i think it's part of the makeup of being a a high achiever it just is because we are just wired that way to think of like what next we're constantly challenging ourselves we have a sense of adventure and fun and we want to know that what next we want to up level our game at every point in time and I so hear what you say sometimes I think it would be so much easier to just have a job you know you go in and I've been there I've been there Robbie so something. I'm actually playing around with so much I call it um Uh, busting mindset myths because what I've seen in my life is how many mindsets I've busted and one of those is I was brought up in a family where academics was important and learning was important and the way I saw my life was the model that I've seen which was great it was a great success model you you do well in your work you have a job you do really well you get promoted you go from level to level and this is how you are I had a complete employment mindset and here I am, an entrepreneur. It's I like completely running my own business, and it's the most obvious thing because I am properly unemployable. Like at this stage, completely <laughs> unemployable. <laughs> I could I, not. I that. think there's a, there's a
0: mindset to bust there. After I could, I reckon I could get you a job in in days. Do you but you um, think? But...
1: <laughs> what, like, would I be able to survive? It is the no. question. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there is a, a job out there that like gives freedom and you know, kind of. My time's my own, earning the money that I want, having the lifestyle that I want, deciding what I want for myself. No KPIs and anyone watching. I mean, I don't know. Maybe,
0: maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're right. But, but you know, there is a sense, isn't there? You know, I also, it's like holding a kind of paradox. It's, maybe it's yeah. not even a paradox. Like, I kind of want that. I want all that stuff from the job. I don't want to have to be the person who's out there. I don't want to have to be kind of stretching myself and growing all the time. Like that feels tiring and, and difficult mm-hmm. sometimes. And I don't want, like I, I sometimes think, so I don't know if you know this actually, but I studied maths at, at university. So I've got uh, that numerical background too, the,
1: Yeah. right? And,
0: and I sometimes think about like the last job that I had, which was overlapped a bit with my coaching business. Like one of my favorite things in that job was like, doing deep spreadsheet work basically it was like really (laughs) doing the data and getting into it and kind of I that was one of my favorite things about that job genuinely it was the bit that I would like look forward to doing not the only bit there were some other great things because it was a leadership development company so I got to learn from some great people and 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 watch some amazing and some training and and all that kind of thing but one of the ways I remember that I don't really want to go back is that I never do spreadsheets now right it's now, now that I can choose exactly what I do I never, that was the best thing, my favorite thing about that job, and I never do it now. So it's like, there's no Venn diagram, (laughs) essentially. I mean, there is a little bit with the training and that kind of thing. But that tells me a lot, right? So it's like, it sounds great. And it might be. And every now and again, I get a little bit seduced by an opportunity I see or a chance to work with someone in particular. But you know, so far, obviously, the the proof of what I, I really committed to, in the, the
1: out of you, Robbie. I bet. <laughs> do you not? Do you not track stuff with spreadsheets? I mean, I if ever I want to think through something, I open up a spreadsheet. So yes, sure, I'm not creating these massive formulae behind them, but uh, <laughs> I open up a spreadsheet. That's my go-to planning is mean, it's, it,
0: it's, it's totally true, actually. Like, yeah, good, good catch. You're you're calling me on my uh, on my story that I'm telling. Yeah, I have. In fact, in my kind of default Google Chrome window, I have three Google Sheets open. One is tracking clients, like number of hours of coaching. Uh One is I don't use it all the time. One is my kind of budgeting thing, and and there's another Uh one open. Uh Spreadsheet
1: kings. There's a spreadsheet for the podcast. (laughs) Exactly. You should ask my assistant. I drive her mad with these trackers. I want a Google sheet for this and a Google sheet for that. (laughs) That So So yes, and the other thing I'm going to challenge you on then is the Venn diagram i and the matrix models, because that's how I think. So I, when I'm sitting with a client yeah. and there's a problem, the way I think through it is either a Venn diagram or a matrix. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe I need to bring Venn diagrams back into my work. I think I'm going to make a note of that. Um, it's like all my clients tomorrow or this afternoon will be getting... Uh, so It sounds like there's a Venn some diagram Some sort of Venn diagram. <laughs> showing them some notes or yeah,
1: something. Exactly. I, I go, this is what it looks like.
0: <laughs> I am, actually. I wonder if it's in the back of here. There, there are some like... Um, in the back of a lot of my notebooks are graphs. This is a really interesting thing for us to talk about, I guess. So because we're talking about, in some ways, how we work with clients. But in the back of a lot of my notebooks is our uh, graph drawings in different ways. Sometimes it's an ex- exponential graph. Sometimes it's yes. something to demonstrate that if we make a small change now, that might make a lot of difference later. Yeah. But there is something about that about showing people a visual and and maths. Or those graphs, those kind of that way, those ways of thinking can really bring that. When you're when you're thinking in Venn diagrams or matrices, with um, was it matrices the other thing you said? Like yeah, with um, yeah. with yeah. clients, the four
1: by fours, right?
0: Yeah, four by fours <laughs> or The right. two by two,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And how? So how do you when you're when you're using that with a client? Like, give us an example of how you would bring that in, or or is it just in your head? A way of thinking
1: no so i would definitely so for example when you have factors two factors coming in that are maybe conflicting for a client so i wish i could think of an example right now but of course everything's just gonna escape my mind um
0: well the like the classic one that that comes into my mind is you know is the two by two matrix is urgency and importance
1: exactly 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 and, and say we're talking about two factors. So something that there is going on for them, like the urgency and importance. So this is a one that we know and we can use, but I will, I'll draw it up and I'll say, here's a matrix. Let's look at how it looks for you on your, in your own work, in your own field. Take those two factors, plot them, and then see what happens on the different, on the different uh, blocks. And then I would actually, I would, I would draw it and show it to them. And they would have draw that in their own book as well. And as you're talking about it, those graphs for sure are something that we use as well. And continuums, I use a lot of continuums. So, you know, if you are, now one that I actually spoke about on that podcast not so long ago was rebel or stickler, you know, like, mm-hmm. are you more of a rebel? Are you more of a stickler? And where do you want to be on that continuum? So I think those are frameworks, maybe, or ways of thinking that can make our clients thinking more visual and, and help them place themselves on whatever diagram we're showing them so that they can get more awareness of where they are and where they want to be.
0: That's a cool way of thinking about continuums as well. Yeah. There's a really nice, um, there's a really nice bit in Seth Godin's not the one, he's out promoting a book at the moment, but the last one that he wrote, this is marketing. There's a really nice thing in there about positioning Hmm. and what he says is essentially choose up to four things, which, your people, whoever they are, value in the kind of service that you provide. Um, Plot those on a kind of uh, graph and then uh, look at where you actually are and then try and draw... This is like essentially this is a USP exercise. Like, what's your unique selling point? Try and create axes where you end up out in one corner, and everyone else drops away into the Ah, other end. So, the classic thing. The example he uses when I heard him him talk about it was with chocolate. So originally there was just like chocolate, (laughs) and then there would be people who wanted, you know, you basically wanted it to be delicious, and and then the cheaper the better, you know, as long as it's equally delicious. And so you've got two axes. But then I, Reese's or in America or someone like that came along and said, well, actually, how about if it's nutty? And suddenly <laughs> you've got this new graph where one of the axes is nutty and everything else is away at the bottom end of nutty and Reese's is the only one up there. And it's kind yeah. of fun to think about yeah. our work. And, you know, it, also for people in organizations, you know, if there's a lot of leaders around. Well, what's the reason that you are mm. out in the top corner and how do you build so that's that.
1: interesting, you know what it makes me think of, Have you? I'm sure you've heard of the matrix of the support and challenge, like oh. how, what level of support and what level of challenge, and that's actually quite a good one to think of us as coaches because we have to have the right level of support and the right, so high support, high challenge high support low challenge is more of a feel-good exercise, high challenge low support is very um, demanding and can take people over the edge and obviously no support no challenge nothing there but high support high challenge is a lovely sweet spot for coaches which probably most coaches are at so how do we add that extra flavour that puts you, you know, all those high support, high challenge people on this end of the matrix, <laughs> and you at the next level? So well, that's nice. That's yeah. like shifting the matrix. I love right. it. That, that love
0: is it. that is what's cool about it. So it's like you. Yeah. Everyone in in I want to say something about the high support, high challenge thing in a sec, but everyone starts off, or a lot of people in a lot of industries start off with cost on there so they mm. think and coaches do this um they think yeah. that the only way to compete with people is to be cheaper you know that actually like that's the way and ch- you know cheapest and quickest is is often no, a, a bit less in coaching so. but it you know it's like if I don't get back to people it's, it's there as well if I don't get back to people by tomorrow they'll be gone right and that's one way to run a business and it yeah. sounds tiring to me um and in most businesses like in the UK if you're an online delivery thing, you can't win on, on fast and cheap because Amazon has already won. There's no way that almost any business can compete on fast exactly. and cheap with Amazon. So you've got to think of a different way to do it. And you've got to, yeah, exactly like you say, shift, shift the matrix is yeah. a, cool, a cool way of thinking about it. Yeah. But I, I, I just, I, I'm doing a, um, I do some work with a company called Better Up uh, who, who sell coaching mm-hmm. into, into big organizations. And they work with a guy called Fred Kaufman a lot. And I don't know if you ever, have you ever come across him?
1: I've just someone mentioned him to me today because I was Fun. talking to another coach who also <laughs> does As Work for Better Apps. <laughs> nice. So, so they've
0: done this cool thing with Fred, um, where they've they've created a training based on his book Conscious Business, and um, which is a great book. Really recommend it. Uh, and, anyways, part of this, there's some examples of him coaching, and no matter how much I thought, I mean, he's playing with it in in some of these, but no matter how much I thought I was near the high support, high challenge place, seeing the way he challenges his clients wow. has made me realize it's like, you know, it's like, it, it's like you, you could feel everyone who was ICF trained on the call, even from across the world, like contracting in fear, at how much he was like giving it to oh, us, but it was a, like, it was a truly amazing a, thing. So he, oh, he, really looking up Fred Kaufman demos is definitely yeah. a, um, ah. a good thing to do. But uh yeah, it's it's interesting to think. I would say that one of the growth areas, you know, we connected through Rich Litvin's community. And I would say that one of the, th- the things that working with Rich really did for me was give me permission and a role model of really high challenge with really high support. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. the thing that you miss people miss sometimes from the outside of, of Rich's work is that is that level of support that's in there yeah. and in him. Yeah. But it's like it definitely. I remember even um, when I thought about applying to work with Rich, uh, I did when just thinking about that and getting into that space of, of the book and his work. I then did one of the most powerful coaching sessions that I'd ever done with a client because I was just suddenly much freer in that space of high challenge, really. Um, and it
1: kind of gives you permission to do that. So I think it's such an important component of coaching to be in that high challenge space and in that high support. I think it has to come together. It can't just be high challenge without high support. You've got to have that level of rapport. So the way I see it is when you're challenging a client, you're actually breaking rapport because to challenge them, you have to break rapport, but you can't break rapport if you haven't had a really strong level of rapport to begin with. So, and I think that's when people have to be careful because Yeah, I'm also MCC with the ICF and I believe in the ICF principles 100%. I really am so, so passionate about it. And um, sometimes it's misunderstood, that level. Being an ICF MCC is not about being the sweet lovey-dovey, you know, everything's okay and let me just, you know. It really is about being able to challenge at that level because you have got that level of rapport and trust. be able to do that and i think that's really important but i am all for the high challenge and i love also really connected with rich about that because it made me think about i do know that i'm a high challenge coach but it made me think about that even more am i enough of a high challenge coach so yeah and and also can i can i add something that i know you were gonna just just because i've challenged myself now again also i will say based off rich's example is to um, in my podcast start having my live coaching co- my coaching conversations live on the podcast and that's for me a big bold step because you're putting your work out there for everyone to see and you know and judge and but it also like makes you kind of up your game because you want to for me it's about shedding a light on what coaching is and what is this whole process and how does it all work so yeah
0: yeah I I saw that you've just started doing that and I was going to ask about it what is the like tell us (laughs) tell us more about that experience because it's I think it is an amazing piece of it. I always get I get I always get like a little level of oh shut up Rich whenever he's saying that because he, he quite often has a thing on his like mailing list or whatever you know of like if you're going to have a podcast don't have one where you're interviewing people and I'm like <laughs> Rich like this my podcast is a good idea Shush. shut <laughs> But um
1: <laughs> but he's also
0: like the reason he's saying it is because the the there is this mystique for someone who has never been coached before of what the hell exactly. coaching is. And even for someone who has been coached before, they don't know what coaching with Daphne is like. And
1: exactly.
0: so there's something really valuable. And I partly again, inspired by, by rich coaching, somebody else that I, that I saw, you know, it's like I put a few videos of me coaching on, on YouTube a few years ago. Now I, these days I think, Oh, I need to do some more of that because that's me a coaching two years ago. Right. And I'm, I'm probably, you know, I've been, coaching almost twice as long now as I had then because it's, it's like I need to re-record some more but it is an amazing thing to do and it's kind of for me it's yeah. like a great personal growth experience at oh, least it was totally. for me so Whew. how's it been to do that what was the motivation for doing it and and how has it been so far
1: yeah so so it's, a, it's also just really good questions is that um Cool. The motivation. Okay, so I wanted to start a podcast for a very, very long time, many years that I didn't get it together. And actually, the pandemic has kind of given me the opportunity to, there was something I wanted to say and really be able to help people navigate the complexity of this environment that we're living in at the moment. And the podcast was born. And it? because I found when I was thinking of doing coaching, live coaching sessions, which is really what I want to do, because I love coaching, and that's who I am. And I wanted to put it out there. Um, there was always a barrier, always a barrier. So I thought, let me start with something that I feel like I know I can talk about and want to talk about and then see how it evolves. So the motivation for the coaching conversations is really because I have... So many clients who often ask me what's it like with other people do other people experience the same things what is, you know what do they get coached on you know people are curious about what goes on in coaching sessions and even people who have gone through coaching are curious about what goes on in other people like are they normal so there's a little bit of that as you said the mystique of coaching. What actually happens in coaching? How does it work? And what's it like? And so so to kind of be able to shed some light on that and say this is what coaching looks like. A little bit of what coaching looks like. Because I think it's different also when you're doing it on a podcast to when you're really doing it with people in their own space and they, you know, you can get really much more deeply into the conversations and there's a limit to how I do think to in fairness to how vulnerable or open although I found people have been very vulnerable and open um you know there's just some different elements to to a podcast coaching than maybe when you've had a long-term coaching relationship with someone but it really is about that opening the kimono so to speak having a look at what goes on in coaching sessions and a second component is that The people that I work with are generally experts, high achievers, people who are really, really good at what they do. And it's very difficult for them to ask for help. So even educating a little bit about what coaching can do and how coaching can help you so that you don't always feel like you have to go it alone and for me what was really important is that the coaching would be not aimed at coaches because I think coaches always want to hear coaching conversations different styles different approaches what they can learn how can they can deepen their own coaching approach for me it was really about no I want to be um kind of shedding light on what coaching is for the leaders now audience is the leaders who need coaching who want coaching who are curious about coaching who don't know what coaching is so that they can get a sense and a taste of it and that's really what it is it's really just a bit of a taste of it
0: yeah no i think that's it's beautiful and it's such a you know you're so right about the people who find it hard to ask for help about you know it's like i also can just hear how it, it will be a what would you call it like it'll be the intro. It'll be the appetizer or the like um the way for those people who find it difficult to ask for help to get a small bit of help from you by listening to the coaching sessions with other people. Exactly. And I've I've heard people my brother was even sending me some some coaching sessions that he listened to years ago. It was kind of when he was learning what coaching was. And yeah. but it was like he was learning it really, but he was learning what coaching was, but more I think he was learning from the the ways of thinking that were happening in those sessions from exactly. the client and the coach. Okay. And so I can really hear how that will how that will work
1: yeah I want to jump in there for a minute because that does happen because I think we know that when we're listening to a coaching conversation there's something that happens in us there's something that shifts in us because there's always or most often there's something that we can relate to so even just a question that the coach asks or some an insight that the client gets all of a sudden stirs something up in us so we can actually use those coaching conversations to see where we're at and do our own self-coaching a little bit as well so and obviously the huge benefit of knowing you're not alone because of a lot of the things that people bring to coaching sessions are things that you're experiencing and it's just so nice to know that you know
0: (laughs) absolutely just like a, a kind of specific question which might feel a bit weird but i just think it's it's interesting who are the people that you're coaching on, on the podcast? How have you found them and how have you contracted with them?
1: Yes, this is also really has been a bit of a challenge. So <laughs> I, I've i just been putting, how am I getting them? I'm just putting the word out there and whoever's interested, I really invite them to join. So anyone listening here, please do um, you know reach out. I'd be happy to host you on my show. I am... Wanting and aiming to find more people who aren't coaches because I've been approached by a lot of coaches and (laughs) it's awesome. I love coaches and I love working with coaches. And coaches are just really, really great to coach, you know. But I wanted it to be more business leadership focused. So people who are struggling with things on a business and leadership level that other business leaders can relate to. And coaches just have a different worldview and outlook. So it has been a bit challenging. I will say that it has been a bit challenging because also I think I'm generalizing, but it's harder for people who are finding it hard to ask for help, who don't know much about coaching and who, who those who know, know how kind of precious the experience is to open themselves up to being uh, coached on a podcast so generally, it will be people who are in business, but also know something about coaching, have been coached themselves, are very open to personal development. And then they're amazing because they really do open up so beautifully. Um, it, has been, it has been challenging. And, you know, um, I'm, look, I'm still looking for people. But I've had, I've, I've, I've got a few lined up, which is fantastic. And um, the contracting piece is also uh, very important so when someone is interested to come on and be coached on my show i offer the possibility to just be anonymous so not to mention their name or who what they who they are and what they do and leave those parts out of it so obviously the voice is there but highly unlikely that someone kind of will put two and two together unless they know you really well um and that and then it becomes an anonymous session and there's no video in my podcast as well so that's one part and having said that, I've had so many people say, I don't mind, tag me, put it out there, you know, just release it and let everybody know who I am. I'm totally comfortable with that. And that's been also just awesome to see that people are willing to be vulnerable and they're willing to put themselves out there and have this experience. And we land up having a lot of fun. So, yeah.
0: Oh, it's, it's so cool. And it's, yeah, it's going to be a resource, right? You're going to, you're creating a resource which will be really valuable for 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 people, you know, Yeah. For many years. coaches and
1: non-coaches
0: alike, I think. So yeah. 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 So Daphne. We'll see how
1: it evolves. It's it's at the beginning stages. Absolutely. (laughs) And and
0: I should say we'll put links to um the podcast and and other links to Daphne's work and the things that we're talking about in the in the um show notes wherever people are listening or watching. Um but just to to rewind a little bit, I guess, because it's you know we've we've had this you know beautiful dive into all kinds of things since then but i just want to kind of find out a little bit before we i want to get into your work now because we're kind of in that but before we do that i'm just wondering you had this year off and at some point in that you came across coaching and at some point after that you decided to to move into it could you talk us through a little bit how th- that happened um and i think you were in south africa at the time so you know what that was like in you know in terms of w- when was this and were there a lot of coaches around at the time and those kind of things and then and then bring us a little bit into how did you get started and where did you get started and how did you look at your coaching at the beginning
1: great um yes so if we kind of go back um I think taking the year off I was just very fortunate to be able to do that so from a financial point of view and I know a lot of people can't but I did. I just decided to make that move. I was in South Africa at the time. Thankfully, my husband was incredibly supportive because he was going to be the you know, the breadwinner for, for that period. And I just decided to give it my all. And I have to say, it was at a time. I, I used to make a joke that when I said to people that I'm an actuary, I always got the question... What's that? And I had to explain. And then I went into coaching, and same thing. People say, What's that? And, you know, because they still think sports coaching or whatever it is. And uh, I would say, <laughs> um, You know, I'd have to explain what that was. So, uh, so that was interesting. So it really was, it was an, a big element of education also coming from what I spoke about the kind of employee mindset to entrepreneur mindset which was completely new to me I didn't as I said I wasn't brought up in any surrounding of what it means to own your own business Um, so it was was a, a big bold move that I didn't know where it would go where I would start and I didn't even start with my own network I mean actuaries they weren't you know at all at the time open now thankfully I've got quite a few clients who are actuaries so they're much more open and there's been a huge shift this was this was 15 years ago so long time ago and uh, really it was a step-by-step process of first of all talking about this career shift so talking about what I'm doing also, remember at the time, technology we were just starting to use emails. I mean, <laughs> very, very different time. So, it was a lot about talking. This is what I'm doing. I've changed my career. And in the beginning, honest to be honest, I was happy to coach whoever, whatever, to gain experience at low prices. I just want, I started off with some case studies. I just said, This is what I'm doing. I want some uh, ca- test uh, case clients. Who's on board? And that's how it started. And our business built from word of mouth only. And I just was so in awe of what I was doing because of all these changes in my life that I was was really, I was working from a sense of purpose and passion and it, it flowed. It really flowed from there. You know, in business, you know, you know, the ups and downs, you definitely experience those ups and downs all the time throughout the 15 years. But when you I feel that like when you're in the flow you're working with a sense of passion and you really believe in what you're doing you do good work it kind of rolls forward and you know develops from there so yeah I, I think that I think that answers your questions but
0: uh... <laughs> yeah. I asked a lot of questions so I think if you, if you answered <laughs> the wall you've done really well um, so you said there were lots of changes that were happening in your life was that you know I can hear that that's partly the being able to feel that purpose much more was that mm-hmm. the, what else was mm-hmm. that was were there other changes happening through this time as well, well
1: I had a newborn baby I had uh, just you know well it wasn't probably she was a year old when I started looking at it but I started doing courses so doing the courses taking the year off work looking after a young family going into this mindset of now people are going to You know, when your salary comes into your bank account, it's almost like an invisible process that happens there. You do your work, you go to work every day, and money comes into your account at the end of the month, and that's it. You talk about it when you do a performance appraisal or when you talk about increases and bonuses, but that's it. You don't talk about money. Now, all of a sudden, you're in a business where you are having to do work and people are paying you directly for that work and you have to ask for money and set a price So all of that was just a very very big mindset shift that I needed to get my head around so yeah and honestly to be fair my husband has been in his own business his whole life so maybe that was a model that I had so you know not growing up with it but my husband was in that space so that definitely gave me maybe some insight into what it means to have your own business and that it can work and you need to believe in yourself I will also say that I actually had a meeting I'm sure maybe you can relate or some of the listeners can relate but when when I started you did actually share that you had a lot of meetings with more experienced coaches yeah and I did the same I decided that I was going to interact with coaches who are a little bit further down the line so that I could get a sense of what it's like and what what I wanted to be and what I want to create and I had a lot of meetings with people who were struggling to make it work as a coach to make their business work and I remember having lunch with a particular coach very experienced coach and he actually said to me keep your day job because at the time I was actually also running my own business in a corporate event management, just, you know, because Uh I have to have things to do. (laughs) So he said to me, listen, my advice to you is keep your uh, business going, keep your day job, do coaching on the side because it's very difficult to make a living out of coaching and just, just make sure you've got a source of income so that you are, you know, so that you're okay. And I remember leaving that meeting And thinking, that's not how I want to do it. I was so passionate and fired up about it. Like, I felt it in my bones that this is what I want to do. This is the purpose. I I, I felt that I was born to do this work. You know, I had such a strong feeling about it. And I left that meeting. And actually, from that moment, I put in place a process because I was in partnership in this uh, corporate event management company with my partner to say, listen, I'm pulling out. I'm devoting my whole time and life to coaching. And... I made that decision and I made another decision. And the second decision was to make sure that I meet and interact with coaches who are successful. Because at that time, there were two very strong groups in my life. The one group that was saying, this is hard. It doesn't work. I can't get clients. I'm not making a business out of it. I'm doing it at night and on weekends. And, you know, it's just not going to work. And there was a group of coaches, small, small at the time, who was going, I am doing coaching full-time. It's working for me. I love it. I'm making a success of it. I'm earning well, and this is what I want to do. I'm giving my full-time attention and energy to it. And I decided at that moment, I'm not going to be spending any time with that group of people. I'm choosing to spend time with those people that are making a go of it and giving it their full attention. And I sought them out. I sought them out to interact with them, to have coffees with them, to ask them questions. And they were amazing. They are friends of mine to this day and amazing coaches. And I think that that's just such an important lesson as well for people to take is to look at who you're spending time with and who you're taking your messages from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many ways we could jump off from that, Daphne. But I'm curious, like, what did... You know, part of part of the thing I'm curious about is what do you think? <laughs> this is a really hard question to answer, but what do you think is the difference between those two groups? Like, what makes the difference between the people who find this really hard and never get it going and keep their day jobs? And some of those people, it, that's the perfect thing. But some of them, they want it to be their day job, but they just don't believe or they can't make it work. You know. So one of the questions I have is like, what do you think is the difference? that leaves some people in that first group and and has some people in the second group? Mm. And I guess maybe a part of the answer is, I'm curious, what did you learn from that second group as you spent more time with them that that helped you as you made coaching work for you?
1: Mm. I love that question. I love that question because it applies to so many people today still and to so many different areas of life. My gut response to that question is that it's all in the mindset. It's all in the mindset, how you look at things and, and the level of belief that you have in yourself and your craft. And I do think that being in business is a risky business. It's a risky thing. You've got to take a risk. You've got to take a leap if you want to make it work. Now, as I say this, my heart fills with sensitivity to, I think, many people who have probably done that and are still struggling, so I don't know if I have the answer as a blanket answer, because everybody has their own kind of story and their nuance around what works for them and what doesn't work for them. But I would really encourage everyone to just ask that question. Do you have full belief in yourself? How are you looking at things? Is there like a back door in your mind that says, this is no good. This is not going to work. I don't know what I'm doing. We all have that level of self-doubt and imposter syndrome and all of that. We are, every single person has that. But there's something about, okay, you can hold that, but also know that you are going full steam ahead because you believe it's your path. You believe it's your purpose. You have that mindset and ability to reframe difficulties because it is going to be difficult. Don't expect that you leave. So here's something that I've seen in, in other areas as well is that people expect that they'll leave a salaried uh, jo- job and be able to replace their income like that move into a business that's gonna replace the income like that, no, that's not gonna happen. You need to have a little bit of a nest egg, at least if that's something that's gonna worry you, but you need to know that you need a time to build up and you might not get that level of income for a while. So give yourself that time, give it everything, do the work. You have to do the work. Being an entrepreneur is not easy. It's not easy and it's not simple. It requires, and, and it requires you to know that some months you're going to earn really great and some months might be knocked down to zero. And I think, again, for most people, that experience of having that this year has been very, very tangible. So I think, yeah, it's, it's like if I had to answer it, it's in mindset and it's in belief and it's in who you are and that's what i saw in that group of people is that they didn't do a half baked job one leg in employment and one leg in their business they left employment went into their business made it their mission and they were always thinking how it's going to work how it's going to work even through the tough times
0: yeah so much so much in there that's that's what really wise i think and yeah One of the stories that comes up for me is I was really lucky. So in a in a previous bit of my life, I also managed a small arts centre, and one of the we had a bar in this arts centre, and it was stocked by this guy who ran the local wine shop. Like he would, it it meant we had a great selection of wine because there's this wine expert who lived in the little town in in the north of England. And I just remember having this great, like, he would come in to drop off the wine, and then he and I would have this these great long conversations mm-hmm. sometimes about business, about the art center, and all these kind of things. You know, in, in some ways, it's like a tag on my journey for why did I like what you know what did I need to do more of? And it It's like have great conversations about people's businesses, like I used to have with David at mm-hmm. Chevain in Otley, and um, he uh, once said, "Surely won't mind me saying this, you know, because it's such a business lesson." It's like he'd set out when he started that business to have enough that by five years in, he would be making the money he needed to support him and his family. And he made sure at start that he had enough money to do that because he knew it wasn't going to be easy. It was going to take time. He was going to go all in, but it would take time. It had actually taken him seven years. Hmm. And it's like, there's just that sense of realism that's really important, I think, for people to know. Coaching's a business like any other. You know, one of the ways to make it work is to invest in it and that might be you might have to invest some money in in lost income you might have to invest quite a lot of time um and quite a lot of courage um too sure. and so i think yeah there is there's something really important in that and if if you were to kind of like what is it that helped you develop those things that belief and the commitment the resilience
1: wow. yeah I think that I'm an I am an adventurer, I'm a risk taker, and I'm a thrill seeker. Oh my gosh, that just came it wasn't planned at all, but those sound really good and they do sound like who I am. Yeah. So I get bored very easily and uh I will do what I need to do to find the new path. So actually going back a little bit to the conversation we had before about the what next, what next, you know. Yeah. It's always going to be like that for me. So even though when I look at myself, I, <laughs> I always thought I was on a two-year plan because I landed up when I was in employment changing work every two years. And now I've been in this business for 15 years. But even still, if you look at how I've evolved in the business and changed, there's always something new and always something different that I've taken on. hasn't been the same thing, you know, over all those years. And I think for me, a big thing that just help, helps me is that it keeps me excited it keeps me you know wanting to kind of better myself and grow and learn and be on this life journey that's not just about doing the same thing day in day out. I need to have that sense of challenge and adventure and excitement about what's next. So I think just going back to that conversation we had earlier is what I've learned because I can also totally burn myself out on a path of do, 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 go 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 what I am learning, I can't say I have learned, I'm changing it, but I am learning is how to hold that gratitude and be able to say, I've got amazing things in my life and I want more and it's okay. And not to always be on the, I want more, I want more, I want more. Or, you know, for me to just kind of sit and go, I'm grateful and this is good and this is enough. That's just not me, you know. So it's holding both, really, really holding both. And I think that's what, what's helped me. Um, in terms of having that resilience of knowing that when there is a down period, it's gonna come right. There's gonna be an up period. And it's just about putting in the work, making in the effort, doing what you're doing in the world, putting your message out into the world and believing. I think that belief for me, I know I'm on the right path and I believe it. So it just gets me through.
0: And how do you know that?
1: I just know. I just <laughs> know. I ju- it's an inner thing. And that's maybe something that's important to highlight is go into yourself. Your best decision, in my opinion, your best decisions don't come from all the facts and figures. Yes, sure, do the analyses it will give you extra information. But at the end of it, go into yourself because you know what's right for you. You might be fearful. You might be uncertain. You might be rational and wanting to have all your ducks in a row, but... From a knowing perspective, it's about exercising that muscle of knowing so that you can also know when you know, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah it absolutely does. It absolutely does. So it, it feels like some of some of the How things... How about
1: you? I mean, do you want to share some of your story? I feel like I'm talking, talking, talking.
0: <laughs> You're the guest, after, uh, yeah, But I mean, I no, I think that like, I think that thing you've just said, you know, I, I feel like one of the most... Oh, let me get this. Let me get this right. Hmm. One of the most valuable uh, what do we call it like capacities that I've grown in myself uh, it actually started um, it actually started in some ways it started from uh, reading a book by I think it was by I think it was a book by David Dader who writes a lot about men and women and, and masculinity and femininity and one of the things he I can't even remember it. Somehow I just got into this place. So to finish the sentence, sorry. Uh, one of the capacities that I feel like I've learned and grown the most has been that one, that knowing how you, knowing how you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: And it started from idea. reading David Data and just being like, okay, I'm going to practice listening as like Cause I was, I spent a lot of time in my twenties um, kind of trapped in analysis in my head. Right. Of trying to work out like what, you know, how do I make this decision? It's like an impossible decision. You know, it's like, I was a bit like those, you know, those stories about um, people who have suffered a particular brain injury, which shuts down the instinctive side of their brain or stops yes. it connecting. And they, they can't answer the question, where should we go for coffee? Because in a city like London, uh, you know, there are a, probably oh, literally yeah. 30,000 coffee shops. <laughs> and how do you decide? Well, it's impossible to decide on a rational basis. The only way to decide really is, is on some kind of instinctual basis. And I would spend a lot of time essentially trapped in the which coffee shop should we go to. And I remember coming
1: from the mathematical sciences in Venus. I mean, that's how we were trained as well. Absolutely (laughs) true.
0: Absolutely true. And really valuable to have the the mathematics stuff of problem solving approach of going, Mm OK, I'm going to try approaching it this way. OK, I haven't got the perfect solution. So what if I approach it this way and then this way and then this way until we get? at something so all that stuff is really valuable but I remember practicing it the reason I'm talking about David Deirdre is I remember practicing it in the supermarket it's like someone says what shall we buy and it's like okay well I, you know of course the answer is on you know it doesn't matter or there is no right answer like those things are, are true <laughs> on a rational level but what if I just listen to my instincts and give an answer and that was a super fun practice like Love it. um to do and um In in some ways, that's a practice that's continued and it serves so well in coaching because a lot of coaches, and especially I did, like I did a really beautiful bit of training with um, Coaches Rising, who are an online training company and they, it's called something different now. It's called, the program that I did was called Coaching from Source and is now called Becoming a Transformational Presence, I think, I'll look that up for putting it in. But essentially it's about coaching from presence. It's about how do you really coach from the moment and that was, a, that was the time when I really took that thing that I'd been practicing in the supermarket. And when uh, my now wife was asking me, what should we do this evening? Or what do you want for dinner? Instead of going, I don't mind, which is true. It's like, well, what's my instinct? What do I actually want for dinner? What's the best I can do? That's where it started. And then coaching from source was great because it just really got me into that space in coaching, which is how do you just listen for what's the right thing? To say what's the right thing to do what's the right to question say. to ask and, mm. and trust really
1: that's um, so beautiful i love it i just have goosebumps listening to you because th- that is what coaching is about robbie it really is and and okay, i'm not reducing it all to that but that's what coaching comes from because you know when you're training coaching and i did a lot i do a lot of that actually I, a bit less now but i'm i used to is train managers in organizations to manage from a coaching perspective. So leader as coach or leader as mentor. And they always want to know, but how do I know what the right question is? Or how do I know what the right, and it's not, it's if you listen with full presence, the question will come to you. Don't listen and think, what do I say next? Actually listen and just be completely in within yourself and the right question will come up or a good question will come up. There is no right question. And I just love that. I, I have a story to share, it's not totally coaching relation, related, but it's such a good one. Yeah, go. It was uh, my son's um, birthday not so long ago. And he is, I think, let me get this right now. Yes, he turned 23, okay. Right, I look way too young for a 23 year old son. Well, but... you absolutely <laughs> do.
0: It's a true story. For anyone who's not watching, it is, that is a totally true story. <laughs>
1: So it's so hard to buy a present for a 23-year-old and you just want to get it right and whatever. So we decided to go to this shop called Decathlon. I don't know if you have it as well, sports shop, camping shop. It's got all those things that he loves. And I thought, okay, let me walk into Decathlon and just go with a sense of intuition. I don't know what he needs, but just go with a sense of intuition of what draws me. But my head got in the way and I really don't. I was starting to rationalize. Does he want this? Does he want that? And I remember walking in and having a thought, hmm, hiking pants that could be a good present and then I immediately dismissed and I thought I I don't know what he wants what he likes my head got in the way and I went and I analyzed everything like literally walked through the whole shop and ended up buying him some jib equipment which he actually didn't need or want and but the funny thing is that when we gave him the present he looked at this and he goes "Mm, thanks so much I don't really need it and I said to him it's really fine go and exchange it for something else no problem we really were stuck what to buy? I went with my husband and as I said we really were stuck and we thought maybe you wanted this but if not it's okay and he goes you know what and then I said to him you know I actually saw they had some really nice hiking pants he goes whoa actually I do need a pair of hiking pants <laughs> and I literally just in that moment understood like how we get so distracted with our head thinking when if I would have and you know honestly if he didn't like the hiking pants he could have also exchanged it but it was just so funny that I had that feeling I dismissed it and went with another thing that my rational brain said go with it so that's a an I interesting mean story. it's
0: it's a be- it's a great story. I absolutely love it. And I think there's there's like a there's actually I am getting a little shiver now. There's like a really serious point here. You know, because there's a beautiful, let me get it up actually, because I always misquote it and I quite like my actual quote, my misquoting, <laughs> and I'm gonna get it up. To,
1: um
0: because there's something about this that sound that 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 relates to the um the situation you were in, right? You've got these two big signs to move careers, right? And often it takes these like huge signs, like may not make it. And, you know, we don't really care about you from the employer on some level. You know, those mm-hmm. two things are pretty big signs. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I guess you said, it already. you know, the shift had already been partly in your mind before that. And many of us do that. And many of us have these ideas, the equivalent of the hiking pants. And yeah. we don't do them because we kind of think ourselves out of them. And there's this beautiful quote from a poem. The poem is by Ingrid Gough Madoff. And she says, God spoke to me today in flowers and I, who was waiting on words, almost missed the conversation. Aww. And it's like, mm. I guess, it, you know, it's just so important that people listen.
1: Oh, that was beautiful. Just say that again. I love it. Oh, that was beautiful.
0: Uh, let me see if I've still got it off. I've closed it. God spoke to me. Uh, so what I normally say, yeah. God spoke to me today in flowers and I, who was waiting on words, almost missed the conversation.
1: That's just beautiful. Hmm. That is just beautiful. love it.
0: Hmm. And now we've been talking about that. It's impossible not to just wait and listen for what the <laughs> next, the next part of the conversation is. Here's what I want to know, Daphne. It is kind of, it is kind of thought, but I think it's what feels right in this moment. I want to know, this is going to be a hard, hard question because I, I want to speak in a few minutes about your work now because there's so many things I want to ask no. about it. But, um, 15 years is, is a long time to have been working in coaching. You, you'll have learned many things over that over that time. But I guess I'm curious, and some of them you've already mentioned, but to you in this moment, what feel like the moments or insights or mindset shifts that have made the most difference for you as you've continued with this work that you do?
1: I think there are so many, there's so many um, pivots, but maybe, you know, maybe one to talk about, which is also really, really interesting. And and there's two. One is the pandemic, of course, (laughs) but before the pandemic, because I think that actually helped to build, for me, a huge amount of resilience in this time as well, is um, moving, moving from South Africa to Israel. So that was um, five years ago and I was getting I was pretty I had a good reputation I was I was getting pretty well known in South Africa for my coaching and my work and in fact I had just um, I I think about just over a year before that I'd climbed Kilimanjaro and that was also huge life-changing experience And from that, I'd written my book because I had seen a a real um, alignment between the climb and the experiences and it was a really, really challenging experience for me and leadership, which is my passion and my work. So I wrote this book called Courage to Lead and it was based on my climb. So it has each chapter is a story from the climb and then a leadership lesson that I drew from that and then a bit of a practical exercise. I'm actually like a really practical person as well. I like to translate everything into something you can do or or take on board. And I wrote the book. So I just wrote the book. I'd been on a PR exercise. I was getting huge visibility and really even more like really feeling like I was at the peak of my business and career or or getting to, I think there's always more of a peak, (laughs) as we said, but uh, getting to some kind of peak. And then we were making the decision to move to another country. Now, that's really scary. I had spent at that stage 10 years building up our business and getting to a certain point where, you know, requests for work were just flooding in all the time. I would get emails about this work or that work, and it was really just flowing in a very, very positive way. And leaving would mean starting from brand new, in a place that I didn't know anyone I was a total unknown and how do you do that how do you walk away from something that you'd built up and go to a completely new place where no one knows you in a different language which I happen to be fluent in so which was okay but you know just a different culture different approach to coaching I didn't know anything about it really so uh one thing that really helped me with that I mean I have to say the first year was was Really challenging. Mm. But can, one... can ask,
0: was it was it personal reasons then that it was like it yes. sounds like it, it, there was there was a there was a real reason to yes. mo- to make the move?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. So let me tell about that. Maybe my son, who had just finished school, decided he wants to come and live in Israel. Okay, and for me, family is a hugely important value. I wasn't quite ready to have my son live in a completely different, miles and miles away from a different country, and I just I don't know. I just felt like. It wasn't, I don't know, again, a knowing, it wasn't time for that. And with my sense of adventure, and my husband actually shares that with me, so we both kind of quite uh, similar in that way, we thought we really looked at examining our options of what would it mean to move? Because we were very happy in South Africa, love South Africa, still do. Um, Every country has its challenges, I'll put that on the table, but it wasn't a running away in any way. Um, and we looked at it and we said, what, did it, what would it mean if we made a move now? Because, firstly, the sense of adventure is fantastic. We, had our two, we have our two daughters who were actually at a good age because of the difference in language. We weren't moving to an English speaking country. Um, we needed to, we couldn't make it too close to my second child's, you know, finishing school and all that. We needed to give her time to learn the language, be able to do the transition. So, we actually, at that point, we realized we had one year that made sense to try it if it didn't work no harm no foul we could come back no problem and everything and we would all be richer for for the experience if it does work and we want to stay cool let's do it So that was really the decision that we made because we wanted to keep the family together, still be there for my son, you know, in his adventure. I don't know how, in the beginning, I don't think he was too impressed with us, but (laughs) he came on board pretty quickly. We we actually said to him, listen, if you're looking for a gap year and you want to be separate from us, feel free, pretend we're not even there, you know, whatever, do your thing. But this is a decision, it was in that year, that was a really, it made sense to try it out. Another thing that really helped me to really make that move, because it wasn't an easy decision, was when I realized that I don't have to walk away from everything that I'd built up in South Africa. But with technology and the way that it is, you're just growing and expanding. So all of a sudden, I wasn't saying I'm leaving. I was saying I'm building a global business, you know, and that <laughs> just changed
0: everything. <laughs> nice reframe, absolutely. <laughs> nice
1: reframe, right? So that really helped me. And... Um, and then we decided to do it. And the first year, oh my gosh, was a year from hell. I'm not going to pretty it up. It was tough. It was tough, 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 you know. Um really needed to be there for my family, my, my girls especially, who just needed support for schooling, different culture, different language, yeah. everything. My business took a dive because as much as I was saying I'm a global business, my base was still very much South African and I just couldn't be there. If someone said, I need a workshop next month, I couldn't just hop on a plane and go there because my family actually needed me at that point. So lots of decisions that needed to be made, but I think in that year, as I say, my business dive-bombed, but I was still building and doing what I needed to do to build, um... I think I developed a level of resilience that was just incredible and a mindset Mm -hmm. shift around what is possible and how you can, you know, this was out of choice, you know, and I think we sometimes have a a lot of challenging situations, not out of choice, but this was out of choice and it was still really hard, but I showed myself that I could do it. And that for me was, there was huge, huge learning in that, huge around mindset and how you approach stuff and how you get through challenge and difficulty and all of that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you said then that that family is a really important value for you. And that comes across really clearly in that story. I just wonder, you know, it's like, um, you know, here's a challenge, right? Starting a family, third child, um, less than one that you've got at this point, and you start a business. And it's, you know, obviously from anyone listening can hear that it's gone from strength to strength. But how have you managed to hold Hold that value of family and its importance and the importance of your children to you, which is obvious, alongside, like you say, the high achiever in you, the one who always wants the next yeah. thing, the thriving yeah. business and the PR trail in South Africa, the <laughs> you know, all that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a constant journey of learning and checking yourself. So I, I, I often speak about that. I believe in balance, actually, a balanced approach, but I don't necessarily call it balance. I call it rhythm. You've got to go with the rhythm of what's going on in your life at the moment. So, for me, my priorities are so clear around family and career. They're both really, really important, really important. But family comes first. That is clear to me. And if I need to say no to something because there's a family commitment, I will. Hard, it's hard, hard, hard. I was asked to my son actually got married not so long ago and I was asked to speak at a conference overseas and I just so wanted that conference and it was you know off the back of another conference where they really enjoyed me so it was kind of like a returning customer and I said yes and the date was I think it was literally the week yeah like the week before his wedding and it didn't sit right with me it just didn't. I know that my family is so capable they could have done it he could have done it but I just felt I wanted to be there never mind needed to I wanted to be there I didn't want to be flying off to speak at a conference a week before my son was getting married and I went back to them and I said no I'm going to bail out or pull out of this one and I gave them plenty of notice and all of that but um you know it's just that it's knowing You're not always going to get it, right? I'm not. And I'm I'm not going to say I always did that. Sometimes I did take on things and it was really hard and managing it is hard, but it's about the rhythm of where you are wanting to be at a certain point in time and how you want to get through it. So for me, that's actually a very big question. Something I experienced recently is actually my husband was sick. He, He got the coronavirus and he had to be hospitalized and in that period of the hospitalization, I actually wrote about it in one of my newsletters and blogs, is that I, 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 you know, it was a very stressful time, very, very hard time, and uh, I cancelled my entire week of clients and everything, and for me, what came out so strongly there was, it's not, my husband didn't need me, I mean, that was part of the challenge, was that he was in hospital, and I couldn't even go to visit him. So, theoretically, I had the time, it would be perfect, I could sit at home, do my sessions, Whatever. But the question that I asked myself was, who do I want to be in this period? How do I want to be as I go through this extremely challenging time that I'm going through right now? And it's not, I don't want to be this machine who just goes on and works first. No, I needed the time. I needed the time to deal with my own emotions, to deal with my own challenging, you know, things, thoughts and feelings at the time and just give myself the space And that's such a powerful question for me that I often go back to is, how do I want to be in this town? And you can, I've told you a couple of stories relating to family, but you can ask yourself that about work stuff as well. How do I want to be as I engage in this project? And sometimes that means your family takes the backseat because you need to give all your energy to that. And that's what I talk about when I talk about rhythm, because it's about listen to yourself and listen to the rhythm that's right for you. And that question of who do I want to be as I go through this is really something that follows me in my life and how I make decisions.
0: Mm, yeah, and that, that idea of rhythm, not balance, I think is a, yeah, that, that's a really sophisticated distinction that mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will find, find useful. Um, was the, You might have just said it, Daphne, with the story about your husband, but I think you said there were two things that came to mind, pivot points. Maybe one was moving. Yes, you know, and was the, and was the, the second. Pandemic, was the pandemic.
1: Yeah, yeah and how that affected business. Because again, for me, and I know people have experienced it differently, but for me, there was came a point, you know, I had my year set out, projects on the go, things happening, and the pandemic came and things stopped. Projects were put on hold by organizations. Travel was stopped. So that means anything that was, you know, something that I needed to travel for was put on hold. And and it was. It was, again, a moment of, you know, my, my resilience. I actually attribute that first year after we left South Africa and my resilience of going through that. I think that really helped me and is helping me as we go through through this very, very complex environment that we are living in at the moment. So... Yeah, yeah so, so that's the second one is like, how are we dealing with this pandemic? <laughs> Do we want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah, <I
0: know. laughs> Let, Let's talk about that in a sec. But, but there's something I think really important in what you've just said, which is that, you know, that going through a complex, challenging year prepared you for this because we're recording this in uh, you know, November um, 2020. You know, this, you know, that previous challenging, uncertain, complex year, you know, prepared you f- to deal more skillfully, it sounds like, with this complex, challenging, <laughs> uncertain year. And yeah. I think that's and a really important thing to say, just because a lot of people, including, you know, I include myself in this definitely have found this year at times really difficult. And I'm sure, like, every time that I realize that I'm finding it difficult, I hold some gratitude because my industry has not been. Torn to shreds by th- this year, and you know, actually, my close family and friends are all healthy and well, and all those kind of things. But if it's been difficult for me, imagine how difficult it is for everyone. But there's some, like, something, some hope, hope in what you just said, really, because this year will be preparing us. You know, It'll, humans, training. humans yeah, are anti fragile, right? Like, we'll be getting mm-hmm. stronger off the back of this and the next uncertain year, whatever that is for us in the future. Um, yeah, and you, can, yeah, you can kind of feel that in some ways and you can I can kind of see it in family and friends and myself and clients working out you know okay given all this how do I deal with it and how do I create the, my boundaries better and oh, what are the advantages and what's impossible from here and all those kind of things but it's 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 nice to hear that I think and and worth 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 mentioning yeah um, and
1: I think also it's from from both points of view of this is training us for something. This is building our resilience and our capability and resourcefulness. Also, we can draw on the challenging experiences that we've had in the past and the resilience that we've already built to get through as well. So there's both sides of that. Let's not forget we have been through hard things. We can do hard things and we can do this as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. So, so Daphna, like we could talk more about, about the (laughs) pandemic. You just kind of brought that in as a possibility. The other place that's, that, that I'm want to want to know more about is I guess the actual work that you're doing now. And when I say now, what I probably mean is what would you be doing now this year if it wasn't for a pandemic? I also want to know about what's happened since then, but like if we were in a, a speech marks normal year, maybe if we're in last year or if we're in the year that you had planned out, how does your business look these days? Mm. What's it made up of, and and who are you working with?
1: Yeah, thanks. I, I love to ask answer that question because I love talking about my work and my business. It's always fun. So I think the p- pandemic has allowed me to also. Like, I really felt like I had a period of I call it hunkering down, and just you know, my first instinct was. Activity, so I started a podcast, wrote my second book, <laughs> I continued with all the you know other activities around business building and whatever, and just did this do do do. And then I kind of pulled back and, and went into hunkering down mode, and which really means for me um, getting into myself and understanding what do I want and getting clear about what I want. And I think that it has helped from that perspective because what I've done, and this has been kind of over the last two years or, or so, is I've really built up a strong team of coaches that i work with and I, I really understand what my emphasis is around the work that i want to do and it's really about building leadership in organizations and when i talk about that i have my work primarily that i work with ceos so i came up with i'm the ceo coach that's who i am you know as a, as my own individual work is that, that I like is
0: that's quite new is it is that yeah year? that
1: is quite, that, that's, it's the thinking work and the like tying up all the pieces and understanding how i want to frame myself and this year it's landed this is who I am so I always used to coach CEOs but no this year like this just this little twist of phrase you know the CEO coach that's
0: who I am what's it like to so a, a couple of things like one is I think yeah. you know great twist of phrase right because you know I've been you know before the call of course I'm reading your website yeah. looking through bios that kind of thing and it's just there and it's it's a great phrase it's just like every time you read it there's a kind of little like I don't know little punch or something going oh nice, good.
1: Good. nice. That's wow good yeah oh. um
0: and but I wonder what it's like, especially if it's new, like, what's it like to define yourself in that way? And how does it feel when you say it?
1: Yeah, so define yourself. Whoa, that's a huge topic. And I think we <laughs> all know that, right? <laughs> and it's been branding and marketing and who am I and what do I do and all those questions that coaches, I think in particular, particularly find hard to answer. So it's An iterative process it's an iterative process over years of how do I find that messaging that I want to put what is my message and I don't necessarily believe that you know when you open a coaching business you have to define your niche like so many people say it's not about that it's actually getting to know yourself every time you redefine your message or your brand or your this or your that you get to know yourself better and what you want to put out into the world and that at least that's what it's been like for me And when I thought of the CEO coach, it just landed. It was like, yes, this is who I am. So actually before that, I had this um, tagline or whatever that I used, which is talented people becoming um, extraordinary leaders. Or, yeah, I think that's what what I've been talking about. Talented people or talented experts becoming extraordinary leaders because it's about making that transition from expert to leader. And I remember when that happened for me, it was like, yes, this is it. This is what... I, this is what I do and this is how I like to work so it kind of has stuck for quite a few years now and it felt the same with a CEO coach it was almost like it was all of a sudden so obvious like why didn't I think of this before it's like so it just landed it's like so right for describing the work that I do and together with that because it's not I am the CEO coach but I also believe in building future leaders. Now, if you think about that in, an, in a business or an organization, so if you think about that for a minute, a CEO has to have a strong leadership team around them. So it doesn't matter. Yes, CEOs need to build their leadership skills. There's a, a lot of CEOs have you know, can do that and have it coming naturally, and a lot don't, and especially the CEOs who come from professional or expert backgrounds. So they need some work there. Part of that work is understanding how to build and empower this team around you to be the future leaders of the organization. And that has become so clear to me as well and it's part of my mission. So what I've done is I've got a strong team of coaches around me who when we go into an organization identify the future leaders and offer them coaching to build their leadership skills. And I just love how this whole thing has come together so beautifully and clearly for me because it all ties into who I am in this world, what I want to do and how I want to be. And the other thing I just do want to say is for me, the the connection piece is really important. So when I work with clients or when I work with my coaches, it's about being really connected to them. So I've had lots of experiences of plug and play being part of a team of a consulting you know a consulting business that sends in coaches and it's like we have a hundred leaders to coach and we want these 50 coaches to get coach. it's not like for me I take great care so it's more of a boutique kind of experience mm-hmm. where I get to know the coaching clients I know who they are and I know who my coaches are and I match them beautifully because I know who they are and if it doesn't work we change it but it's kind of that's the philosophy, building the community of coaches so strongly so that we're in this together and feel like a team and building the relationship with the companies so that we really give them the level of service that, you know, they deserve to have. So that's how it kind of all fell together for me. And that's the work that I'm doing in the next, uh, in the, you know, that's my next uh, future iteration of what my business looks like.
0: Yeah, I love it. That's this to... Year cycle. Um, you said two year cycles before, it no, might be longer exactly. than that, of course, but it's like, it's, it's an iteration, and I think that's a really beautiful way And yeah, to put it. And it, this might feel like a strange question, especially because I'm sure it, it, the, the answer is iterations and number of years, but it's like, <laughs> one of the things that I think people... like. So one of the things that I sometimes hear from coaches who are starting out and I, because I call myself a leadership coach as well, maybe I need to call myself, come up with a better way of flipping that round like you have, but uh, maybe that's the, that's the what next, right? But yeah, I was um, a
1: leadership coach until about a year ago. (laughs) Yes,
0: exactly. And now no more, no. um, But you know, people will ask, you know, how do you, something like, how do you coach, like, how do you become a coach of leaders? How do you become, and for you, it might be, how do you become the CEO coach? Like, how do you find the CEOs? How did that come about and i guess that's you know a little bit about that evolution and 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 both like how did you I, you know I, again i suspect i know the answer given what we've said in this but how did you know that that was the right thing for you and that's what fires you up and that's the mission and also like literally how did it happen how did you mm-hmm. become someone who coaches ceos
1: yeah i, I think in fact it, it is a little bit in what i've already said And if i summarize that it's really I, I, I've said it before. It's about you have to. I don't want to say have to, okay? Because they're always different. So my language is sometimes like, but you know.
0: <laughs> no, say it. Say it. I, like, I like hard, hard and fast We'll quote, we'll quote you on this as yeah, well. Definitely, yeah, this will be, you this will be Whatever to. you say now, this will be the title of the episode.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> For me. <laughs> It is a matter of building up experience and having it come from inside you, of constantly going back to that grounded place of what feels right for me, what ties in or aligns with my brand and my message and the work that I want to do in the world. It always comes back to that. But you have to have the experience to be able to draw on to really have that come out of you if you understand what I mean. So it's really doing a lot of work and seeing what comes into your space, what draws you in, what kind of requests you're getting, what fires you up and lights your passion, you know, and it's a lot of stuff of being able to say, okay, I did this project and I didn't really love this or I did this and I loved it and really having that process of elimination and noticing and being aware of what seems to feel right and what doesn't. Um, I'm not going to say always say no to the things that don't feel right because sometimes we have to pay the bills and that's okay but notice that notice why you're taking it on and notice that okay this is more of a bread and butter thing cool but this is the type of work I really like to do and then you do change your messaging and the way that you work to express that and now you know I, I remember the first time that it happened that actually a CEO that I'd coached a few years ago approached me to coach some of his team members and um, he actually said to me uh, he he contacted me and said actually it was two two people and he said to me look I really enjoyed our work a few years ago and I loved your approach and I want you to I want these two people to have that same experience and in that moment I knew I wasn't gonna coach them it's not where I am anymore I mean I, I know that I could but it's just not what I'm focusing on and I said to him I really appreciate you reaching out to me and this is how I work now. I have a team of coaches that I can bring in for this particular project and he was delighted with that because I explained the matching process and that we'll find someone I'm also not going to be right for every person we'll find someone that will be the right match for them and that if it doesn't work we'll replace it and you know da, 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 and I will lead the whole process I keep very involved and I keep my finger on the pulse and all of that and he was great and that was the first time I realized hey this is what I do. This is how I can do this. And yeah, and it's evolved from there. So being able to also like, not, you know, it's like that temptation. Oh yeah, I can do all the work, but no, no, don't have to do what you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I think there's something in there. I want to slow it down just because I think for people who are listening, you gave, I don't know, you might want to do this now, but I think if people go back to what you just said, there were a whole series of questions that people could use to kind of help them do this iterative process. But mm-hmm. just because you said you love having practical tools, do you have like a, a is there a particular exercise that you'd recommend to a to someone? Because it, it doesn't have to be a coach. It strikes me that this thing that you're talking about, which is how you've fine-tuned your business is also how, a leader would work out like really what's the work they should be doing in a company is the same thing. It's like, okay, there's, there's all these different projects that I could be saying yes to or no to, but what do I, what is the best thing for me to do? And where should I be passing stuff off to mm. other people? Right. But is there a particular exercise or framework that you like? If there isn't, that's, that's fine to help people. Yeah. I, you know, maybe the coach get to get the their sense to the clarity of, of, of given the experience they've got, what next?
1: Yeah. For me, the two things that kind of jump out is that whole um, st- story or, or exercise around finding your why. So really understanding your why and your purpose. And I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek, love his work. But I also know that this work has been around many years before. He, he gave it a great language and that is something that you, you know, I've been working with for years. But you can do this on an individual level or an organizational level and take yourself through an exercise of really being able to articulate your why. And then the second part of that is really, um, there's a few, a few elements to it, but one of it is understanding your values and your passion, what really lights you up and the second is who you want to work with and I know that in coaching circles we talk about that a lot but being able to identify your ideal client who they are what they look for what they struggle with what they want to achieve in their life is a, is a critical part of this exercise and also I will say it's an iterative process because even for me I've been doing this exercise for years and years and every time you revisit it and you look at it and you fine-tune it and then when you've got it you've got it and then it might change so keep keep just asking yourself those questions and i'm a huge believer in work with a coach because i do think that these things are difficult to come up with on your own work with a coach both on your why on the who you want to work with and from that i think your next what does it look like will come from
0: yeah and and for the for the really understanding your why Will Simon's next book a good place for people to start? Is there somewhere else to find to because it's like
1: yeah. that phrase
0: phrases so there and the TED talk his TEDx thing is is great for like explaining why it's important to find the why, <laughs> but it's like what's yeah what's the actual yeah. process is it is it hit his book or is, it, is there something
1: else that's, that's okay more so useful? I think it's yeah it's a great question and and I will I, I am going to say I do I run a, I do have a process that I take people through which is quite deep and really mm. gets you into it. However, if you do want to go do it on your own, the start, the book, Start With Why, will give you a good background, as will the TED Talk. And I love the book because it, he gives so many examples, but he talks from an organizational level. He doesn't talk so much from an individual level. And it's very difficult to read that book and then say, okay, now I know how to find my why. However, he does have the second book that he wrote after that. know, he, he wrote a lot of books, but the one related to Start With Why is... Find your why. Mm. And find your why is a practical step by step approach to finding your why. So you can do it. Go ahead and do it. I'm going to put in a caveat. You know, there are many coaches who work with that, but find yourself a coach to work with because that will give you the best experience because a coach knows how to ask the right questions to take you to the places to discover it. In the book, he recommends do it with a partner, do it with someone else. For me, it's clear you have to do it with someone else. You need to get a partner in to be able to hear the stuff that you say that you can't hear for yourself. Mm. So, yes, you can do it on different. You can ask a friend to do it with you. You can ask a colleague to do it with you. You can ask a coach to do it with you. I do believe that working with a coach on it will take you to the level of depth because that's what we're skilled at doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I guess we've just, you've just told us some of this. But I love that thing that the CEO, when he wrote to you saying, will you come and coach my leaders? He said, I loved your approach. I love the work we did. So you've told us a little bit of your approach there, right? I, I guess in doing that work, what else makes up, you know, you've got 15 years of experience. You've fine-tuned this and iterated it. How do you talk about your approach these days? Hmm.
1: <laughs> this is a question that every
0: coach hates to be asked sorry
1: and i talk about what comes up in the moment so i think yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a it's a tough one right because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there isn't i don't have a formula for anything i really don't and maybe that's but, but even to catch my that, next iteration. i think, but I think yeah. that's
0: like that in itself is is a super powerful thing for coaches to hear right let me just play it back mm-hmm. 15 years of doing this you don't have a formula and there's yeah. a reason for that, right? It's, yeah. Maybe you'll come up with one and it'll look like you've got a formula on the outside. But my suspicion is, even if you come up with a nice, neat looking formula, you won't follow it every time, right? Because that's not how the work works. And exactly. I think that is important to pull yeah. out. But also, exactly. you know, tell us a, a fake version of your formula <laughs> or, or just pull out what in this moment. What actually,
1: I want to build on what you just said, because actually, I think that this is what I feel is part of my uniqueness. And I think this is what led me to this, the CEO coach because I have found that at that level, so remember what I said about liking variety and for me, a formulaic approach wouldn't work because I like to, honestly, every single session is different. Every single client is different. And, and I know that that holds for whether you have a formula or not. But for me, it's that level of complexity and intrigue that sits at that level of business And who you are as a person running that business, CEO, is what makes me be that CEO coach. Because there isn't, at that level, again, happy to be challenged, I don't see um, my clients wanting a formulaic approach, wanting a step-by-step program. They want to know that you are there as their trusted advisor, mentor, coach, someone they can just talk to interrogate with be challenged with um, you know and really take their thinking to another level and that's why I don't do the formula thing having said that um, I'm not knocking it because I know that it does work for a lot of coaches but I think that's my kind of unique contribution and that's also my approach to the coaching projects is I say to you more boutique more customized more designed for the particular need of the organization so you know if an organization's got two people who need to be coached I'll be in there because I believe in what it's trying to do it's not about give me volume give me mass that's never been my my kind of approach I'm not saying that it's right for everyone though I know that at some point it is important to have something systemized but I am I am and I, in the process and continuing to systemize processes and structures and how things work in the business rather than systemizing my actual programs or having a formula for my actual program.
0: Yeah. And I think also sometimes it's, it's useful to have a, this is going to sound like a weird thing to say, but a formulaic way of talking about
1: I suppose work that, work that, that, that is, is not like
0: formulaic. That. Yeah, that's kind of what I sometimes exactly. do with clients.
1: You're right. Yes.
0: Um, you know, it's like I need to say something to someone because if they're going to spend thousands of pounds on some coaching, then they need to have some idea of what's going to happen. And and so it's useful to have some things, but but whenever I do that, I think I might even have, the people who are listening, I'll try and find it. I think I made a video of, of kind of what I say, but it's essentially caveated. You know, I, I talk through a five, five things that we'll cover. Caveated at the start, at the end and in the middle with, but we won't do this in order. We might not cover it all. Of it. We won't do them evenly. It's like, it's not going to look like this, but also here's a bit what it looks like
1: exactly it's exactly that it's exactly and it's so funny Robbie as you say that because I have this introductory call that I do which is a 30 minute call you know with a potential client who might want to work with me and you know I've I've heard so much of the advice of have some kind of a framework for the call write down questions that you want to and i Bash my head against the wall every time with this thing. And as you say I've been doing this for 15 years. I should have some stuff. And then, you know, I'll have a great intro call. And I'm like writing down the questions that I asked because it really was great and it worked well. And I come to the next call and I have these questions up and I go on a completely different tangent because none of that was relevant or appropriate or came up. So it's really funny. But I think what is good is to know your stuff, know your stuff be professional that I am absolutely kind of adamant about and know that you've got questions in your mind or that you've got a framework a way of thinking or an approach in your mind that you can draw on when you need to so I have a whole I feel like I have a whole lot of things that I kind of pull out as and when required and to trust that that I know enough to know what's required but even when I try to systemize my intro calls it just doesn't work. Okay. So for me, for me, for me, for me, I'll just say that. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: of course, of course. And and look, like you, in some ways, you, I know I know why you're saying that and I know you're joking a bit, but one of the reasons I wanted to create this podcast, we were talking about that a little bit before we switched on is because there are so many different ways of doing, of running a business like this. Right. I mean, so many different ways of running any business and it's really valuable for people to hear. Um, you know, and I don't think these are lessons just for coaches, but it's like, we, that's kind of why we're here. You know, to hear that there are different ways of doing it, and to hear that you don't, you know, that's it's as useful to hear that what you do after 15 years of experience, partly because it gives people permission to, yeah, to do it their way. Um, and I, I think sh-
1: that's an important part of it, uh, Robbie, because, and I'm sure you relate to this as well. But when you're building your business, you hear so much about what you should be doing and that you should have this framework, or you should have this system, or you should, you know, have your intro calls a certain way, or you should. And sometimes it's actually just really good to hear, yeah, trust yourself. Build your skill up. Make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure you behave professionally with clients. And trust yourself to know what's right for you and how you want to work. And, you know, frameworks and systems work for you. And for, for some people, they sway by it. And it's amazing. And for some people, you can work another way. And that's also okay.
0: Yeah. And I wonder this is a this might feel like a leap. but It doesn't look like it to me, you know. Because there's, you know, you touched on before how money and mindsets has been a really valuable part of your journey there's been some shifts on that you know including going from employed to self-employed I'm just wondering in this this the way the boutique flexible way you run your business and the sense of knowing yourself and making choices from there how does that work when it comes to pricing the engagements Mm. that you do with clients with companies that kind of thing
1: yeah it's a good it's a good uh, question and we were actually we were talking about it a little bit earlier yeah. and i think that i think you've got to know firstly what you're offering and what you are pricing for so you you need to kind of have a sense of that but i think there also needs to be flexibility around you know who you are sitting with at the moment or how you're going to adjust your offer to suit the person or the company or the project that you're working with and I think that's also important to say because maybe sometimes we're given the impression that you know have one offer price it one way and make sure that you stick to it you know I again don't believe in that because I think you're working with an organization recently I had a project with a non-profit organization that I ran a workshop for and I say to them a few times listen Nonprofit. I'm happy to do my pro bono. I do do pro bono work in my organization as well for all my business for you know companies or people that I feel could really benefit, and pro bono organizations are one of those. Nonprofit organizations are one of those. So I said I'm offer, happy to offer a discount. Anyway, there was a misunderstanding. Submitted my invoice, and she said, "But I thought you were going to give me a discount." And I said, "You know, you didn't ever get back to me, so I just you know submitted my invoice." But you know what? choose what you want. I'll have an hour coaching session with you. I'll sit with your team again, and we can wrap some things up. Happy to contribute. Let's do it that way. And she was delighted. So it's about having that flexibility. Sometimes, you know, again, a piece of information we'll hear a lot is do not discount your rates for whatever. Sometimes it's really okay to do that. You know, sometimes it's okay to say I want to work with this person and I'm happy to do it at a lower price I want to work this company is going to give me value beyond you know like if it's a big name company and you think it would be something that would be really worth putting on your CV or some the ideal client that you want to get more of whatever the reason there are reasons for adjusting prices and being flexible with prices as well so that's what I would say. Like, look at your approach. Make sure that it's solid, that you're getting paid for, what, for the work that you're doing. And be flexible with yourself. Be flexible with your potential clients. And see what feels right to you. Yeah, exactly. That's been a bit of a theme of our conversation. Is like, yeah. you know, grounding yourself, trusting yourself, and, and kind of what feels right.
0: Yeah, it really has, doesn't it? And, you know, in some ways, that's a nice point to almost end the conversation. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask before we do that, like... What have you got coming up? You mentioned the second book is, is written, uh, a pandemic book. There'll be many like we, I, I, I think I said, um, you know, <laughs> we're having a baby, which essentially is going to be a pandemic baby. Like True. we'll see if the lockdown is still in place when it's, when it's touchwood, uh, born in January. Um, And I bet there are I heard on the British news there was certainly someone was talking about publishers have been like overwhelmed with book submissions. I actually finished a draft of one of my books that I'm working on in the in the pandemic, too. So it's like clearly it's going to be a pandemic book. But Yeah. yeah, so that's coming up. What's that book about? And what else have you got coming up that you're excited about in your work?
1: Yeah, so I will say the book is, it's really, I'm excited about the book. It's called Weekly Habits for Extraordinary Leaders. It's actually out already. It's available on Amazon. So if you want to check it out, feel free. Um, And the thing there is, uh, I think that for me, everything I do is is a double-pronged journey. It's about what you do and who you are or who you become in that journey. And I think that the what you do, we generally tend to have a handle on it's the who we are that maybe is something that we need a little bit more support with and anyway i think a, work, having a fresh pair of eyes working with you on that is always good but this book is really about taking some of those elements of working on yourself as a leader and breaking it down into practical tips and tools something that you can do every single week that will develop you your thinking and your way of being as a leader when it comes to leading yourself, leading your team, and leading your business. And that's what I wanted to do, just make it short and quick and practical and easy to read and simple to implement. And I think I've tried, I've tried to do that and I think that I've managed to do that. So it's a, it's a great resource. It really is just a great resource which you can open anywhere short chapters and something for you to take away and implement. That's what the book is about <laughs> the pandemic book. Um, my next project my next project <laughs> listen to this love okay. i love um, that you've I got so many ideas you. it yeah no listen you go, i wonder if you'll be surprised by this one but my assistant is helping me with this because this is a big challenge for me but i am taking a full month off in oh, december amazing. january because that is my next project because i think this year has been challenging on many many levels And for me in particular, just around the business and getting things done and da -da and what's going to happen and making sure everything's in place. And I'm tired. I'm tired. And I think a lot of us are feeling this tiredness, exhaustion, just needing to step back and take a break. And I want to do it. And I want to do it well because I'm not good at doing that, I'll admit. I take a break and I put some things in, you know. So I really, that's my next project is four weeks off and, and truly off. And just uh, allowing myself to take a break.
0: Yeah, I think it's so important. I um, I didn't quite manage it in the way, but I took most of August off this year. Um, nice. And I hadn't realised how much I needed it until I did it. And there was a few yeah. coaching bits where it was like clients I'd worked with for quite a long time, which were due to finish, you know, because of the contract had to finish during August. Uh-huh. So I didn't want to like drop them with like yeah. two, you know a couple of sessions yeah. to go. But. But it was uh it's it's been a strange year this year, and i think yeah i'm uh, I'm excited to um to see like wonder what that'll give you and what you'll get from it yeah. when, when was the last time you took a month off?
1: Oh jeez <laughs> yeah
0: for for the benefit of the listeners, she's shaking her head looking confused and
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. spot on <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And the
0: great work, well, great work yeah. as well on getting your assistant. Like it's like in I
1: know. one of the things we need sometimes, assignment. especially mm-hmm. someone
0: who's a accountability you know, who loves to work. Things is having someone to to help you do that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And you've got a an exciting, brilliant thing coming up for you. Yeah, so, yeah. Absolutely. So I mean, it's like
0: it's a different, going to be a different rhythm of of a month off that I'm having
1: around the same time. <laughs> Very different with a little Very person. But um, yeah. but
0: no, it's. um yeah it's 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 that's absolutely exciting too and it's going to be a personal growth experience in and of itself amongst many mm. other
1: <laughs> many other things I don't even know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
0: okay, great you should people should be what you should watch this on video guys Daphne just gave me a great look um as she said that Look, uh, Daphne thanks so much is it before we finish is there anything else you wanted to share with with people who might be listening
1: Sure. I think there's... uh, Firstly, I just loved our conversation. I think that so much stuff has come out of it. So I think there's a lot of value in there. And I just enjoyed it. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. And maybe, you know, what's coming up for me now is how awesome it's been to just take that time. You know, you said block off this amount of time for our conversation. I was like, no, I don't know. Oh, okay. And then I saw this big hole in my calendar I was like oh I'm sure we'll finish quickly and and I'll have time to do xyz and (laughs) abc and uh, it's actually just been really awesome to engage not trying to rush it to fit into the 30 minutes you know whatever it is so I appreciate that and and I think just a learning from that is, is do that you know have those beautiful, deep conversations that are not limited to an amount of time because it's just a really wonderful thing to do and connect with. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, it's been a total pleasure and yeah, a very energising conversation to be a part of. And you know, I guess it might be you know, given what we've said about, given what you said about how much you love flexibility and being in the moment, and that theme of this conversation. And I love those things too. Perhaps it's no surprise yeah. that we that we had a flowing, uh, flexible conversation. But yeah, it's been it's been such a pleasure to have this time with you, definitely. And I know that everyone listening will have taken so much away from this. You know, coaches, but also you know anyone who's listening in. Um, and, yeah, like I said before, we'll put links to everything in the, at thecoachesjourney.com and, and everywhere else. But most of all, Daphne, just thanks so much for your time and for being a part of this.
1: Thank you, Robbie. It's been awesome. And I just wish you ah, the most incredible ne- year next year.
0: Ah, Thank you <laughs> very much. <laughs> Hello. Robbie here again. Um, You've made it all the way to the end of the conversation between Daphne and me. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we clearly did. Um, Before you go on to whatever else you've got uh, in the rest of your day, I wanted to let you know about a couple of things. These are both ways to support the podcast. So if you'd like it and you want it to keep happening and you want um, ideally maybe for it to reach even more people, you might be interested to hear about these two things. One is, you can become a supporter of the Coach's Journey podcast. That means you give a, a small amount of money every month or a, a bigger amount of money if you choose to. Um, and that's just money that helps support the podcast, keep it going. And once the costs are all covered, um, I'll, I'm starting to think about how do I get it out to reach more more coaches and support more people um, in doing this important work. So that's one way. You can do that at patreon.com slash Journey. The other thing you might be interested in is... Um, if you'd like some support from me as your coach you may already know but late last year i created the coach's journey community i i talk more about that in an earlier episode of the podcast um and that's the the most flexible and the most affordable way that I've ever offered um, for coaches to work with me, or, or at least that I've offered for a long time. Um, and uh, it, because it starts from as little as about £10 a month. And if you sign up for £10 a month, you get to come to a couple of the community calls each year, plus a few other things. And you can sign up at that level, there's a medium level, um, and there's also full membership, which is 10 group coaching calls a year, plus one-on-one time with me. And... Uh, now is actually a really good time to sign up to become a member if you're curious and you think you might want to give it a try because um, on the 24th of March, we've got uh, a one of the calls where all members of all levels um, come along and everyone gets together and, and we have a, a group coaching call. Um, and that means that you can try it for just signing up at the £10 a month level if you love it. Um, you can stay a member. If you don't, you can just stop anytime. Um, so have a think about that. The idea with the community is... It's a chance for me to coach people on their businesses, on their lives, about how to work as a coach and how to thrive while they're doing it. And also to connect to each other, a load of amazing coaches. And and there are absolutely a load of beautiful souls on the coaches journey um, community so far. With that in mind, I'd like to say a big thank you to Kira Eastall, Sean McMonigal, Ken Brewerin, and Alex Swallow for their ongoing support. And also, just to say, I'm um, really looking forward to seeing all the members this month and perhaps uh, you at our future Coaches Journey community call. All the information about that is at the slash community. Um, but other than that, uh, have a wonderful rest of the day and hope to have you back with us uh, listening to the Coaches Journey podcast sometime soon. <music>